Hello, friends. Coffee and Beer Podcast. Nick and the Doctor here with you. This is the last show, believe it or not, this will be the last show of 2022. We're going to go ahead and take a week off after this and uh, for the holidays, and then we're going to be back. Our show will air again on January 4th. So, yeah, this will be the last show of 2020, uh, 2022. Hard to believe. This is like episode 38, which is also very hard to believe. So uh, let's go ahead and say hello to a man that lives by the mantra of love thy neighbor, the doctor, Mr. Mike Groman. <laughs> oh, my. I know where you're going with this one. How's it going? <laughs> it's going great. I like to catch you off guard with those little intros so you're not quite sure what I'm going to say. And uh, unfortunately, people can't see your reaction on the other side. But uh, yeah, so uh, it's 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 going all right. And uh, I don't know about you, man, but it's hard to believe we've done 38 of these shows under the coffee and deer umbrella. I know it's it's been a nice progression of being able to share information and um, actually pretty much just have a conversation. And if people enjoy listening to that, all the better, right? Yeah. And I truly, yeah, I love sitting here as I am now with a hot cup of coffee and just talking deer and deer hunting. And that's, that's the basis of this show. We don't get too terribly serious if we can help it and uh, just having a fun sort of around the campfire chat, if you will. So, hey, today's going to be our 2022 hunting season wrap up show. So we're not going to have a guest, but we're going to go ahead and recap our seasons. Uh, We teased in the earlier show, the last show that we did with uh, Michael Hunsucker that we filled some tags and uh, we're going to share stories today. Uh, We're also going to talk about, and I think this is important, uh, what went right and what didn't go right. I think people uh, learn an awful lot from that. So we're going to do that. Uh, The next episode will be an Ask NDA Anything episode. So get your questions in. I'm, I'm happy to report I've already got a couple. So we are off to a hot start. Oh, good. Yeah, don't even have to get into, you know, I hate to get into shaming during the holidays. <laughs> so, well, that they're giving us a gift so that we don't have to shame anybody, or more specifically, you don't have to shame anybody. Yeah, I don't want to be the coffee and deer Grinch here. So, <laughs> uh, so we've already got a couple of good questions, which is good. Uh, so, we're off to a good start. And of course, every episode is a B team report. And this is also going to be obviously a B team report episode. So, we'll get to that a little bit later. Our show sponsor today is Black Rifle Coffee Company. Speaking of coffee, uh, their coffee list is amazing. I mean, I went on there today just to remind myself, and there are so many different options uh, that it just didn't make sense to list them here. They also have a lot of really cool last-minute holiday gifts as well. And so, you know, things like mugs and apparel, that type of thing. Uh, just a rapidly continues to be a rapidly growing company and they also one of the things i really like about black rifle is they continue to be big supporters of conservation and we are not the only conservation organization that they support so check it out black rifle coffee company hope you can take advantage of some last minute holiday deals there a final piece of housekeeping before we get into the meat of the show here is We're still doing a giveaway. I don't remember if I mentioned this on an earlier show or not, but we're giving away a Moultrie Mobile Edge cell camera. And also with that, an NDA First Light hat, which those are very popular. And all you have to do is provide a little contact information. That's it. I mean, it's as simple as that. If you go to our website, DeerAssociation.com, fill out that form, you are entered. And so we'd love nothing more than to pick up the phone and get in touch with you and say, hey, you're about to get a new cell cam and an NDA first light hat. So take advantage of that. Mike, we're barreling toward the end of 2022. This is really hard to believe. Now I know that's something that's sort of cliche. You say it every year. I can't believe it's July already. I can't believe it's October already, that type of thing. But this year, I really feel that. And it's hard to believe that we're staring the holidays in the face. But, you know, although you and I are likely to to still do some type of hunting yet and probably into early 2023, I mean, matter of fact, between Christmas and New Year's, I plan to go and do some hunting in Delaware. We have a winter season that opens here in Pennsylvania the day after Christmas. But for the most part, the bulk of our hunting is behind us. And so it just makes sense to sort of make this an annual thing here where we detail 
how we feel our deer hunting season has gone. And so today we're going to tell, I'll tell the detailed story of my Pennsylvania buck that I shot on November 15th. Uh, I think I've talked about the does I shot in Delaware, but I'll maybe touch on that again. Uh, the doctor, we'll, we'll get you, Mike, to talk about the cat and mouse game that you've continued to play with a really good New York buck, as well as uh, some promising signs that you've had at your place. You've got a lot of visitors lately. It's been uh, pretty active uh, there, right in your backyard, actually. I love the picture you sent me, by the way, where you're like going into the house and there are deer standing in the yard. So that was, did you, did you get them to stand there and stage that for you? No, no, I did not. Because as soon as I opened the door, they were gone. <laughs> right. So anyway, that was that was a really cool picture, and yeah, that was neat to see. So, uh, so anyway, we'll talk about that, and then we're going to get into what we're looking forward to in 2023. So this is a show that we enjoy doing. We don't want it to just to be us telling stories about our exploits. We want to turn this into an opportunity for education as well. So a chance for you to learn from the things that we've done well and the things we haven't done well. So. You know, Mike, you and I were talking as we were starting the show. One of the things we're going to do is we're going to sort of grade our season. And so um, looking looking forward to that, you've probably given some thought to that here in, in recent weeks. Well, I've had to because it almost seems to me like I I heard the, the starting gun go off and I took about four steps and then fell flat on my face just because I haven't hunted nearly as much. This is, this is the first year that I have not been out, but again, taking on a new job, moving to a different state and trying to turn our camp into something that is somewhat livable um, had really swallowed up a lot of time that it would, that would have been spent in the woods. But I just, while I was doing something, construction wise, literally construction wise, that's all I was thinking about is that next year it will be better because this job will be done. And that's what kept me going and moving through. And I still have more jobs. So I had to tile the floor and get that wood burner set and things like that. So, I mean, it, it still continues. Yeah. Adversity, I think is a theme for this season for us and for various different reasons, some of which you detailed there. So let's go ahead and get into it and let's tell a deer story. And I like telling deer stories, especially when they have a, a pretty good ending. And I'm going to talk about my Pennsylvania buck that I shot, as I mentioned, on the 15th of November. So we're going back a little bit here. People are going to hear the show at the end of December. And because we're only on once every other week, this seems like it was a year ago. So I'll do my best to re recap the story. But, um, you know, I want to go back even before I, I was hunting in Pennsylvania again. We had a, a hunting trip that we raffle off each year that's in Kentucky that I just, I had just gotten back from that and decided for that second week in November that I was going to go and hunt in Delaware and try to catch the, the rut there. And then knowing that we have a third week in November that we can hunt here in Pennsylvania. So that was my plan. And it was a bit of a downer out there, to be honest with you, it was pretty slow. There was really, I want to say no visible rut activity, meaning, there was rut activity, but just not where I could see it. And so I never was really in the mix there. I didn't see a shooter buck until the last morning of the hunt. Uh, but I was able to fill two doe tags on back-to-back -back, back nights, which was pretty cool. And so uh, even still, though, it was still a, I felt like it was a struggle. And I got to be honest, as I was making the trip home, I was, I was sort of second-guessing myself. Should I have gone out there when I did? Uh, getting a little bit depressed, if you can even imagine that it just seemed like it was so slow. And especially the other thing that was haunting me a little bit is while I was out there, I was getting pictures of the deer that I was really trying to target back home. And so anyway, it's that's how it always is. If you're going to hunt in multiple places, you're going to feel like you're being pulled in a few multiple directions. So uh, at any rate, I did return back to Pennsylvania. And the first hunt I did when I came back was November 12th. And so that would have been a Saturday. And that was one, I rarely do this on my place, but I went to a spot where I needed to take my saddle because it was a tree that I picked out. I saw some good sign. I'd picked it out a couple weeks prior and I didn't have any stand or anything there. So it was a saddle hunt. And I've never had a ton of luck on my place in the morning. And that morning I didn't either. Although the only thing I did learn was that I really liked the setup and it looked like a really good spot. And so the minute I got out of there, I went and grabbed a fixed position stand and went in there and set it up. 
And so I, I love hunting out of a saddle, of course, but if you've got a stand sitting there and you've got sticks sitting there not being used, you're going to put them up and use them because it just saves a little bit of time. So I set that spot up and I got the added benefit of it pretty much poured rain the rest of that day. So it took care of any scent that I would have left. And I didn't hunt that evening. And my thought was I'll come back to that spot a little bit later. November 13th then was the next day. And that was one of three Sunday hunting days that we have in Pennsylvania. Now, some of you are listening to this from states that can hunt any Sunday. <laughs> uh, in Pennsylvania, we're, we're taking baby steps to prove that the world's not going to come to the end, to an end if we hunt on Sunday here. So we're allowed three days. And one of them was the 13th. And so, Mike, you'll remember this because I was texting you, I think, on the way in, just saying I'm really nervous about this wind. It was kind of gusty wind. It was shifty wind. And I hunted an area that I referred to as my gas well plot which is kind of in the middle of the property. And it was frustrating, Mike. I mean, you probably recall me texting you just sort of whining, you know, like a little baby about how I could not get a consistent wind down there. Yeah, that's a, a very interesting spot just because of the way the topography lays out that you need, well, the thing is you're below by what, over a hundred feet, I would guess, right? Mm -hmm. Of elevation. Uh, a rather steep ridge, and that does create to, uh, a lot of issues with swirling. And even with winds that are strong, it tends to really wreak havoc there. And so when you can get down there, even though the deer tend to like it a lot because they're constantly alerted to, I probably would almost argue 360 degrees around them as the wind swirls down there. They at least know if they should be on alert. It's tough to hunt. It's tough to hunt and it's, I mean, I hate to complain too much because I had already shot two deer down there, my buck last year and a doe this year. But yeah, it was a tough hunt and it's nice to have a shoulder to cry on. I'm sending you messages about how the hunt's going and um, I think I did end up seeing deer that evening, but then they got, uh, I think they got wind to me, of course. Yeah, but based on my camera data, that, that was my hottest area. I had a lot of deer in there using that, including mature bucks that I was after. So uh, then November 14th comes, and I don't hunt the morning, but I wanted to get back to that new spot where I set the stand. And that was an important hunt because what it really did was it re-energized me. Uh, I got set up in there, immediately started seeing deer. I ended up seeing eight deer that evening, including two bucks. And one of the bucks, he looked like a, maybe a two-year-old. He had come in and walked, basically followed the script of where I anticipated a deer, a buck would come from and walked right out in front of me at about 15 yards. And although I didn't see any shooter bucks that evening, I saw deer, you know, moving through there pretty much the entire evening. And so it, it gave me that boost of energy that I needed. And so then the 15th comes and this, this would be, I guess, Monday now. No, actually, this would be Tuesday. And sometimes you have to learn lessons the hard way. And I think I learned some hard lessons from the last time I hunted that gas well plot. And so this time the wind was shifting. It shifted to a southeast wind which a lot of people hear east wind and they're like, eh, that's pretty much, I have nothing set up for that. Well, I think what I'm learning is that the southeast wind is actually ideal for this gas well food plot because it kind of blows the wind up the road that I access to walk down into and toward that hillside as opposed to swirling around. And so I see the weather forecast. It looked like it was that temperature where it was going to be right on the borderline between rain and snow, so sort of sloppy, but I know up where my place is, it's most likely going to be snow. And so I tried to go a little bit early. Um, I got there, parked my truck at about one o'clock. And as I'm parking, it's starting to spit snow you know, nice, nice flakes of snow. And I'm, so I'm like, okay, good. This isn't rain at least. And I start making my trek down the hill and I'm halfway down the hill and I look and I see deer walking around already. And so I'm hoping this is just like a, you know, a button buck walking around being dumb like they typically tend to be, but no, sure enough, it's an adult though. And I look a little closer and I see she's got two young ones with her. And now I'm trying to figure out, all right, what do I do here? Because that's, those aren't the deer I'm hunting, but I really need to get into that stand. And I don't want to cause, you know, I don't want her standing there blowing, and ruin the whole night. And as I'm thinking about what to do, I look, I look up and I see another deer literally standing right under my tree. And this is a buck and not a bad buck. This isn't like a spike or, I mean, this is a racked buck that I had to get glass on and really look at and make sure it wasn't a deer that I was trying to hunt. And it wasn't, he was just a really nice two-year-old. And while I'm trying to, to decide all this, the snow is just pumping down at this point. I mean, it is 
really coming down. It's getting in my binos. It's getting, it's just, it's just tough, right? So I make the decision that the only way I'm going to be able to get into that stand, even though deer are moving, is I'm just going to go down there and chase those deer out. You're walking down there as if I was walking down to check a trail camera. And so that kind of worked as I'm walking down there, they see me, the buck runs one way, the does run another way. And so I'm able to get to the tree and I just, I figure I better hurry up and get up in this tree because the deer are already moving. Now, again, it's still snowing like crazy. And so it's really tough to hunt in when it's, when it's snowing like this and it's almost as bad as rain. So I get up the tree and, um, I should mention, by the way, too, this is, I'm, I'm hunting with a crossbow on this hunt, and I'd never shot a deer with a crossbow before, but I decided to take it out there, and in, in some ways that made it even harder because you have a scope now that you have to try to keep clean as opposed to just my regular bow. So <laughs> I get set up, and as I'm, as I'm climbing up the tree, I look over and I see another deer just laying, bedded down about maybe 60 yards away that apparently never saw me sneak in. And so... I'm just, it's just a sense of urgency, Mike, you know, you get there, I'm like, I better get set up and I get, get the crossbow set up and I go to turn around and I look over again to see where that deer is and she's on her feet. And I'm like, all right, this is interesting. I don't think she saw me because she didn't look spooked. Well, the next thing you know, I see a big body deer coming and here comes what I recognized right away is a buck that I call Texan. And so he is, you know, it was a really wide buck. But I also knew that this deer wasn't as old of a deer. I, I even said to you, Mike, earlier in the year that watch me end up seeing this deer because he's kind of borderline as to whether or not I want to shoot him or not. And, you know, that I was, I guess maybe it was self-fulfilling prophecy that all of a sudden, of course, that's the deer I see. Well, it's it's kind of strange where when, because you, you were really dialed in on a specific buck and you wanted him you know, out of all the other ones, more than the others. And it's one of those things where you look at a deer and you say, I'd like to see this one make it one more year. And as soon as you start to think that way, I don't know what it is, I guess, other than the fact that people like you or I versus someone that, you know, has multiple deer and a lot of property where they can potentially hold over those borderline deer turn into potential shooters in the heat of the moment. And, um, that's, you know, that's, that's just how it goes. I mean, for me, I actually had a buck here that I didn't want to shoot. And luckily I had such a horrible season. I never saw him either. So I guess it was good for him because um, sometimes we can be tempted. We're human. Everybody's human. I think you can be more tempted too, when you kind of feel like you're in a dry spell. I hadn't seen a mature buck. I mean, I saw the one in Delaware, but uh, it had been tough. It had been really tough. And hearing from people around the country, it's been a tough year for a lot of folks. And so when it's been tough and then you see something, you, you probably think about it a little differently. So anyway, yeah, here comes this buck and it's, it, it kind of became an epic scene because now the snow is, you know, the ground's completely snow covered. I got snow all over me. It's pumping down and here's this really nice buck and he's pushing this doe and he pushes her behind me. And while he, while he's doing that, I look down and there's another doe standing right under my tree. So somehow I got in there and there's just deer everywhere and I'm like stuck. I almost can't move, but she luckily was locked on watching that buck. And so he come into view and he looked really, really pretty out there. I mean, that big wide rack in the snow and he's got his nose down and he also is doing these big, long tending grunts. And so I'm getting a heck of a show out there. Well, it turns out he pushed her back in behind me and I thought, okay, if, if she's still in at all, he's going to push her and he might be gone. I may not see him. Well, she must not have been, she may have already been bred. As I said, it's November 15th and that buck then turns and he looks and he sees the doe under my tree. And so immediately I'm thinking, oh, there's a live decoy. Love it. <laughs> and so of course, at this point, you know, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm ready to shoot if I get an opportunity. And he turns and he starts coming right in behind me. And Mike, you know how that stand is. I really don't have a lot of shooting opportunities behind me, but at least because it's winter, it's a little more open and I can see pretty well. Well, and the, it, well sorry to interrupt you, but no, the one thing that we, you know, we selected that stand for was the cover. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things you'll never, if you're in it, the stand, you'll never be seen. 
No, and it's really just about getting winded. And luckily, the way the southeast wind was blowing, it was taking it away from these deer. So that was perfect. Well, he comes into a distance and he just kind of stops because the doe, when she saw him coming, she didn't want any parts of that. And so she sort of bounded off. And I'm like, well, this is so typical of the rut. You can have a big buck right around you, but you may not get a shot at him. And so he come in and he's standing there literally 20 yards away, but in, in really brushy area, I can't get a shot. And I had decided I'm shooting this deer if I get the opportunity because it just seemed meant to be at that point. And so it's, if he decides he's going to run after that doe, I've got no shot and I probably don't see him again all night. But if he decides he wants to walk toward her, there might be an opportunity because I had a nice size opening. Uh, I think it ends up being about 18 yards. And as I'm watching this and I'm, I'm sitting there, doesn't he just take a few steps and he's standing there perfectly in that opening? And so it's, it's happening at this point. And we all love that moment when you realize it's going to happen. And so, again, though, I'm trying to look through a snow-covered scope at this point. It would have been much easier. It's funny. It would have been much easier in hindsight to shoot this deer with my regular bow, just the way the weather had. But I, I just was curious about shooting with a crossbow. How would I feel about it? Something different, something I'd never done before. And so I uh, put the crosshairs on him, pulled the trigger. I knew I hit the deer. And he bounds out of sight, runs right through all the habitat work uh, that uh, I did earlier in the year. In fact, I talked with our, our friend Ron. He was in there cutting with me where we did that work. So that was kind of cool. But then, of course, he goes just out of my sight. And I don't know what happened. And one of the things with a crossbow is you you just don't know it's not like you can't track that arrow the same as you can off of a regular bow, which is something I'm learning. And this was also to me a brand new crossbow. This is a mission crossbow uh, that I picked up from our, our good friends at, at Matthews and Mission, who are uh, obviously NDA sponsors. And so I had practiced with it and I really love it. I mean, it shoots tremendously, but I'd never shot it at a deer before. And I bought that crossbow because my previous one is the one I was using when I grazed the buck I had been hunting. And that, that crossbow was shooting all over the place. And I just decided if I'm going to have one, I might as well have a decent one. And so anyway, I get down right away because the snow's pumping down. And Mike, I don't know if you've ever had this before, but as, as that deer ran off and I'm realizing how hard it's snowing, I figured I need to get on that blood trail right away because I probably won't see it otherwise. Have you ever had that happen? Not with that much snow. No, as you well know, uh, what was it, two two years ago? Yeah, it was two years ago, uh, late season was the first time that I had shot a deer with snow on the ground. That was one of my life goals that I wanted to actually shoot one and track in the snow. And I shot that doe on New Year's Eve, I think, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I so remember that. I've, yep. I've never hunted. I've hunted in the snow where it's been dumping down like that, but I've never actually pulled the trigger on anything. Yeah, there's something about snow that adds a different element to it, which makes it like I said, it just was sort of like a magical night, like you're hunting in a snow globe. But anyway, it had dropped probably at least an inch and a half of snow from the time I walked in already. And I'm watching these big flakes come down. And I thought to myself, I need to get on this deer right away or I'm going to have no blood trail. And I thought that I had made a good shot. But again, with that crossbow, that's one of the downsides is you can't really see impact. And so I get down and I get to the bolt and I see that it's covered in blood tip to tip, but also it looked like it had some stomach material on it, which made me nervous. And now I'm unsure. Uh, he must've been quartered to me just a little bit. Well, anyway, I get on this and I, I don't see any blood. And I get to a point where I can see where he, he had kicked up some leaves. And I, so I started kicking around with my boot and immediately found a big pile of blood that was already under the snow. Now this told me two things. Number one, it told me I had a good blood trail but it also told me that I had no chance to actually see the blood trail. And my best chance was to just follow kick marks where he had kicked up leaves in the snow. And so that's what I did. Um, and I just got on him right away and I, I was walking along and then I thought I could hear him. And Mike, you'll remember this because it was insane. I'm like texting you. I'm like, I swear I can hear this deer up there just like sort of heavy breathing. Now, again, I didn't give, even give him five minutes. I was on him right away, which he normally wouldn't do. And so uh, I just stopped and I froze and I'm, I'm like, I think he's just out of my sight into the, into what I would call my dark woods, which I've got these big hemlock trees. I thought he had made it to there and was and had laid down and I'm waiting for him to expire. 
And while I'm waiting there, the snow is still pumping down. I'm covered in snow. And uh, it turns out, and this is the crazy part of the story, he was actually laying 10 yards in front of me in some grass, and I didn't even know he was there. And so to make a long story short, uh, I end up, I just, I just waited it out, and I end up recovering that deer 10 yards in front of me. It's hard to believe how tight he was right there, and I could see his tine sticking up. And so I was like, I can't go backwards. I can't go forward. I'm not moving because I don't know exactly what the situation is here. I don't care if I had to sit there till dark. But anyway, I get up to the deer and it really, there was plenty of light to get some nice pictures. Like I said, it was sort of a magical moment. If you follow me on Instagram, you can see some of the photos there. Just a beautiful, beautiful night. Uh, the deer is a really nice deer. Turns out he was he was an eight pointer. He broke off a brow tine, which I didn't know at the time. But he's 19 inches wide. Uh, he's got nice a nice white rack on him, and he, you know, it's hard not to be pleased with a deer like that. I really am. And we could we can wonder about any deer that we shoot and say, oh, and in, in another year it would have been this, and two years it would have been that. Um, but it just turned out to be one of those magical nights. And sometimes. Um, you know, taking a deer, deciding to shoot isn't all about, well, is it one of the ones I was originally after or not? It's just about, it just felt, felt right. It felt like the right moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, Mike, you were sort of part of that through text message. You know, what, what's going through your mind as you're hearing from me? Well, it's just like anything else when I get the call is I try and be the, the source of reason or the person that's not emotionally attached to it because even though, you know, you and I are close friends and, you know, we, we always are rooting for each other. I still want to make sure that I'm providing the best information I can as a friend that is going to help you, even though I can't be there right next to you. So I was just trying to use from the information that you provided me and deliver the best text-based information that I possibly could to make sure that that animal was recovered. So I was, I was playing the, the cautionary role of, Oh, I just waited out. And there's, you know, he's not going to be any more dead in, in an hour. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, you just kind of, sometimes I think people need to hear to, um, I don't want to say like negate their emotions because it's in a very emotional moment, but, um, to try and make sure that we're making good decisions and, we're not making emotional decisions. Yeah, it's very helpful. It's always nice to have a phone a friend in those situations. The first thing you were probably thinking, Mike, was thank God I'm all the way up in New York because I don't have to help drag this deer out. So Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of what went right, and I think this is important, and this is the, you know, hopefully this can be helpful to somebody. I think the first thing that went right was, well, the very first thing that went right was that I didn't give up you're getting towards sort of the post part of the rut there that definitely after the peak of what's going on. And so you're hoping to catch a deer still, you know, coming away from a doe and trying to find another one. And I think that's what happened here. So just staying with it, number one, believing whenever it's getting harder and harder to believe that you're going to see what you're looking for. I think waiting for the right wind as well. What didn't go right two hunts before was that the wind was bad and I still hunted. But then this next time around, that wind seemed like an appropriate one. So that was, I think that was key, keeping the wind in my face because I had deer all around me. I think another one was going in early. I had mentioned that I went in, when I was walking down that hill, it was 1.15 because I looked at my watch. And so I think you need to get out there as early as you can and give yourself the best chance. I ended up shooting that deer. I mentioned going in at 1.15. I think I shot the deer at like 1.30 or 1.35 which that's the most or sort of closest to the middle of the day that I've ever shot a buck. So that was interesting. Uh, so go in early if you have the time to do it. I think the other thing was, uh, aside from the obvious, waiting until you have an open shot, not getting too excited, is tracking immediately. It's not something you want to do in an ideal situation, especially when you don't see that deer go down, but you can take a calculated risk. I knew that walking in the snow, I could be quiet. I didn't mention that I really took my time just kind of poking along once I knew I was on his track. And so that worked out well. If I had seen the deer with his head up, I could have just stayed away from there. Um, but tracking immediately, I think, helped me stay on the track of that deer and not turn it into a wild goose chase. 
So those were sort of the key things that I felt went right. Uh, what went wrong or things I would do differently? I think the first one was I had to learn the hard way about the wind there. I don't know if that's necessarily something that went wrong, but it was a key element to having success there. Uh, and I think the other thing is I, I should have probably gone in even earlier than I did. Maybe go in around noon and then wouldn't have had that situation where I had to chase deer out of the area I was going into. Now we can never control exactly when deer are going to move, but had I been there even 30 minutes earlier, I think that would have been better. And then finally, and this is what you and I talked about at the end there, is that I don't want to say that this is wrong, but I think one thing I need to do going forward, Mike, is I need to have harder rules on myself. Meaning if I determine when the season is starting that a deer, if I determine that a deer is well marginal, I don't know, I'd have to see it in person. I need to just put that deer off the list and say it's a no and not get caught up in the season has been tough and I'm feeling bad for myself. Um, I think one of the things don't, I guess this would be advice I'd give someone else. So I need to give it to myself. So I'll say it out loud so that everybody can hear it. Um, don't get caught up in things that don't matter. And so I have a big thing that really doesn't matter that I've let myself get caught up in. And that is since 2000, 2001, so we're talking 21 years ago, I have shot 20, out of those 21 years, I have shot a buck that was at least three and a half years old or older, 20 years. And while in, some, in one sense, okay, that may be impressive. In another sense, it gets you focused on things that don't matter. And what doesn't matter is that stupid streak. And, and you know, Mike, you were in the tree with me the one year I didn't shoot one. You were in the tree with me when I passed one because he had two broken tines and I didn't get one that year, but he was a three and a half year old. Or I could have shot one that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was, and he was a good deer. I mean, it was close. That was a 10 yard shot. Yeah, what well, do you got to see now? You got to remind me. You're getting me caught up in streaks again. But the the point being here is none of that matters. Okay, I mean, I I don't regret shooting the deer that I shot, but I need to have harder rules, and so that it's simply a go no go. And I'm going to do that next year because I think I, I've shown, even though my property's not big, we can get deer getting to four and a half and five and a half years old, and I need to wait for them. And so it's not went wrong. It's just to remind myself to don't be focused on things that don't matter. It's okay to not fill a tag and who, nobody cares that you've had that string of success. I mean, there are certainly people that have way more success than that. And so I need to not be caught up in things that absolutely don't matter. And that's one of them. So that was it. I mean, that, that was filling my buck tag and I have not been in the woods since. I have not, not hunted a single day, even though I've got tags here in Pennsylvania since then. Your thoughts about what went right and wrong, Mike, what would you add to that? Um, well, I guess what went right was the fact that two heads are better than one. You were reaching out to me and it could have been to anybody. It could have been to Ron or your father or whoever. But the fact that in those situations, it's good. I guess what went right was that you reached out. But what I would caution you is what could potentially go wrong is if you reach out to the wrong person, you need to reach out to the correct person. Um, if you're going to reach out to a buddy that's, you know, a thousand miles an hour and he or she is, no, you got to get on them right now. You got to go. You got to go. Just pick your, pick your phone a friend appropriately in that situation <laughs> is what I would say. Um, yeah. What went wrong in that situation? Um, I really don't think, I think you covered like, you know, maybe we know that hunting in the midday in the rut is a good time. I mean, potentially as that snow continued to pile up, you might've had a bad evening hunt. Like if, for example, if you went in at three, they might've, that movement might've been done for the day. So um, that's, that's my observations. Yeah, I think that's a good illustration of sometimes the rut is just where you, you just need to be at the right place at the right time. And it's I don't I don't particularly like hunting the rut myself. I've said this before, just because there's so much very hard to get any kind of a pattern. It's hard enough as it is, but especially during the rut. And had I been there a little bit later, I would have maybe not seen anything and been like, man, this was a terrible hunt <laughs> when I just missed the action. So let's turn it over to you, doctor. Um You've had, you know, 
you've had a lot going on. And I think there's a lot of good learning points from what you had going on. So let's hear where you're at now. Well, for me, I can tell you just flat out, I, I've hunted nine partial days. I haven't done a full day sit. I have not gotten to any public land like I wanted to. It just, the jobs that I've had to do here have been really consuming my time. So I shot that doe on October 13th, which I was very happy for because that put meat in the freezer for the year. But um, I have a, a four and a half year old eight point that was consistent enough for me to attempt to pursue him. He was going to be my sole focus for the year, unless something enormously magical showed up. But for the most part, uh, I had never in my entire life hunted a specific deer. And because I had the time and the availability, I decided that I was going to just try and solely focus on this deer. I wasn't going to take any more doe. It was just going to be him or nothing. And with that being said, I had a really difficult time because I've never done that before. So I was learning as I went, uh, which made it difficult for me. And secondarily, the time was, um, was limited. And third was the fact that the, the weather fronts or the systems really weren't conducive for me to hunt him where he was at. And, um, to this day, I just sent you a picture. I went in and picked up a camera. I, he had, he had daylight movement several times, so he was killable. It's just the fact that, um, he was choosing to bed, uh, in a, in a due east direction on my property or just slightly off of it in a due south direction that was a distance of 600 yards apart. And, and so with that wide distribution of where he was preferring to spend his time, I was trying to find his intersection where my best chance to intercept him would be. And with that being said, he was so inconsistent that it made it hard to find the correct tree. And so um, there was times where I would be in one location to have the wind, what I thought would be in my favor. And he'd show up at the opposite edge of the property. And there was the final day where I hunted him uh, favoring that easterly side because that's where he should have been. And sure enough, that's where he was, but I missed him by a hundred yards twice where um, he came through too early. Like it was before shooting light and he was like 60 yards away. And then I hunted him again in the evening, a couple of days later, and I didn't see him. I left the woods because the shooting hours were over and he walked out nine minutes behind me on the exact same trail, sniffing my boot prints in the snow. So um, he really threw me, you know, threw me for a loop in regards. To, I just couldn't get on him. So I give him a ton of respect for, his ability to pretty much, you know, avoid me. And I don't know how much uh, detection was there. I'm sure that he had to have known that I was in the, in the world, but on a positive note, uh, you talk about, you know, what went well, what went, uh, didn't go so well. What went well was the fact that I didn't blow him out of here. You know, I only own 60 acres and I hate saying only like it's like something small, but we know in, in the grand scheme of things and a buck's home range, 60 acres is not, you know, uh, a large amount of ground. So the fact that I didn't blow him out of here was the positive. I hunted smart. I used the wind. I was as selective as I could be with my entrance and access or exit routes. Um, very meticulous with my scent control. And I didn't hunt him a lot. I only hunted him on the days that I believe that I had my best chance of not being detected. Um, what went wrong or what went bad was the sense that I might not have been as aggressive as I could have been. Maybe a more aggressive hunter would have gotten in here, pushed in a little bit harder, a little bit more, um, I'm not going to say carefree, but a little bit more aggressively and might've actually had an opportunity on that buck. Um, but with that being said, he did teach me a lot. Uh, he's uh, since disappeared for rifle season. So I'm not sure if he's going to, uh, if I'm ever going to see him again, but, uh, great buck, um, real big, heavy, high racked eight point, 
Uh, he's not ridiculously wide. He's what would you say? Maybe he's like seventeen inches wide. Oh yeah, um, he's got good but, mass but too. Really, he's, a, he's a good deer. Yeah, he's he's massive. He's a massive deer. Um, very symmetrical, long brow tines. Those brows are eight eight inches long if they're an inch. So maybe nine even. So um, we'll have to see. But with that being said, you know, you mentioned that our season's winding down. For me, I actually feel like my season's winding up because um, we're finishing up classes here this week. Today's students have reading day, which was is in December here. We're, we're in early December. And so I actually have um, like three weeks of no other commitments. I'm almost uh, finished with getting that wood stove put in here. And so uh, I'm actually excited for late season bow slash muzzleloader. And I'm going to, I, I'm, I'm saying it right now, like you needed to say it out loud that not to worry about things that don't matter. Well, I'm saying it out loud. I am getting to public ground and I'm going to begin my process of learning areas to hunt and potentially tag a, uh, another deer. Yeah, you said a lot of really good things there. I think that'll be helpful to our listeners, especially. I think one of the things I was reminded of when you were talking is that we really tend to learn. I think we learn more whenever we don't fill a tag on a particular deer, because what do you really learn? Let's say you go in opening day and you climb up your stand and that buck walks by and you shoot it. <laughs> you didn't learn anything. You know, you learned that that day you picked yourself a good spot for that day. And, and as luck would have it, you got your shot. But I know looking back over my hunting career, some of my more rewarding years in terms of learning things were being, you know, playing this cat and mouse game with a particular deer and never, never getting to the point you know, at least to this point that you get your hands on them. And so you did learn a ton. And I know I enjoyed following along and the story's not over. There's still, who knows what, what's going to happen. But, uh, and so I thought that that was really good. And I did, uh, it was sort of comedy and tragedy, right? You sent that trail camera picture of you walking out and then that buck literally sniffing, <laughs> sniffing your boot print 10 minutes later, walking out behind you. So you always wonder, right? Like, what is he thinking? in terms of how a deer thinks versus what you're thinking. And so anyway, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, it meant that I was in his wheelhouse, you know, and to me, I think a big thing is, and, and you were saying is that our failures teach us more than our successes in most cases is because we think about them more. I have spent a lot of, a lot of bandwidth thinking about this deer and how he moves and again, you know me, I have a lot of the camera data now. And so now I'm going to collect all that data and I'm going to crunch it in the off season, because even if he's not around next year, or I don't run into him late season, if I get another buck that does something similar, I want to understand it more so that the next engagement that I have with a deer, I, I'm that much better. I'm that much more prepared. And eventually, you know, you get to the point where, oh, I know what he is going to do before he does it, or, you know, or I'm going to be in a situation where we are definitely going to have a face-to-face -face and then, you know, it just builds from there. That's how we become better hunters. Yeah, absolutely. And I've enjoyed being on the ride with you. It's fun. I'll be sitting there and I know you're out hunting. I'm like, man, I wonder what he's seeing, but I don't dare text him right now because if I text him and there's a deer near there, like, I don't want it to be my fault that something gets screwed up, but, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to hearing more. I'd love nothing more than to come on our first show of 2023 and talk about how you put a tag on that or some of the other nice deer that have been showing up at your place. And we'll come back to that in a second. You mentioned firearm season, and I just want to mention this before we get into kind of looking at our evaluation of the year. And uh, we had, this is still currently, actually, by the time you hear this, firearm season will be over here in Pennsylvania. And it's a... <laughs> If you've never been from here and all the all the legendary things you hear about gun season in Pennsylvania, most of those are true. It is kind of wild and uh, maybe not as wild as it used to be in the past, but uh, there are a lot of people getting after it. But uh, I, I do need to report that the target buck that I had spent so much time on and that I grazed back on October 26th, uh, he did get shot. And I had a neighbor send me a photo. It was actually his niece that shot the deer. And so um, that's that's the end of a era. That's the end of a story. And so while you're you're disappointed in one sense because I that deer lived on me, really the entire summer and fall. And I have pictures of him last year. I knew that deer really well. Um, 
the reality is I had my chance and I didn't take advantage of it. I blew it. He shifted his home range a little bit because of that. And he was shot uh, three quarters of a mile away. And so congratulations to that hunter. Uh, she's got a heck of a nice buck there. And I need to, I'm curious, I'm gonna, I'll send her, you know, as much of photos and video and everything I have, because I think she'll enjoy that. Um, but, you know, you do have that disappointment factor that that can happen. And these aren't our deer. You know, this doesn't matter how much I knew that deer was around that deer. They're not ours. And so that's the way it goes. I know of another buck that was shot that I, that I a buck that I had some photos of that he had really great potential. Uh, and he was shot by another neighbor. And then another one I got a photo of, but I, I had, had never seen this deer before. So those are the three I'm aware of. And Mike, I, you know, I guess we can just hope that you start getting pictures of that one you were after again, because I think the worst thing more than anything else is when you just don't ever know what happened to a deer that disappeared. Well, to me, it, it's not as, as big of a deal as it might be to some people, because you know, as well as I do, the pictures that I've sent you, I don't, I've just in the past two, three years started to get deer that were carrying over that I'd recognized from years past. I usually would have a giant show up. I'd get one or two pictures, September, October, and I'd never see that deer again ever. So to me, that's why I've never really been a single buck hunter. I've always hunted for opportunity. So I look at those places on my trail cameras, where have I seen them at which time of the year, you know, what date range, and I'm going to get in there. And the first one that comes through that makes me grab my bow that passes that bow grab test is going to get it. And um, this year I, I shifted that because he was the only one that would have made me grab my bow. And so um, I've shifted focus and tried to just hone in on him. So um, again, adapting, making, I mean, I say, I'll say I enjoyed myself. It was fun. It was exciting you know, trying to uh, match wits. I've heard a lot of people talk about it and some are really good at it. And so I wanted to see how I'd have a go of it. And again, I, I still say it, it was a failure in regards to didn't tag the deer, but I still think it was a success because he taught me a lot. That's going to make me a, a better pursuer of older age class bucks in the future. Well, speaking of looking at big picture, your season as a whole, understanding again, it's not not completely over, but as we look at the 2022 portion of it, uh, big picture, how would you rate it on a A to F scale? I'd probably give it, um, uh, people are probably going to wonder about this, but I'd probably give it a, a, a B more specifically just because I'm just excited that in the fact that I'm still healthy, I'm still able to go, um, you know, you and I, uh, we're not getting any younger, no offense, but in all seriousness, I mean, I know that I'm on the the downhill side of this. I hear about men and women that are up in their you know 70s still climbing up into ladder stands and and still getting after it. Um, but I know that that time is limited, and to me, I'm almost at that point where I've learned so much through doing this podcast and uh, the resources that we have access to that I wish I was 20 years younger because of I, the hunter that I think that I could become, but you know, you got to play the hand that you're dealt. And so this year, the fact that I was able to go, I had a good time. Um, I made it work with all the responsibilities of all the life changes I'm fighting. I still, I'd give it a B. Well, I think that's good. Now, you make me feel like a whiner because I'm not going to be as nice to myself, but uh, yeah, you said all the right things there and the things that really matter. Uh, for me, it was a very odd year. Um so I, one of the things that was odd was seeing my, the target buck I was after right off the bat. I mean, I was on that deer the first week of the season. He was very consistent. So that was a little bit weird. I did shoot a doe early. Uh, that was October 8th, but then things really went cold. And the season got tougher. And then, you know, as I've talked about in a in previous show, my mother passed away on October 22nd. And so there was sort of this big hole, like right in the middle of the season, because it wasn't like a surprise. There was the big hole the week before and, of course, the week after. And, you know, the, that that's a hole that you know sticks with you the rest of your life, frankly. But uh, in terms of how it impacted the deer hunting season, that was a big un, uh, overall unexpected thing. And then shortly after that, after that I, I got back into the woods and had that great game plan on the buck I was after. And that's when I missed them or grazed them. And that changed things. 
and then I mentioned depression earlier, not really depression, but you're, you're disappointed, right? Things were getting tough. I uh, went out to Delaware. I, I expected to see uh, some bigger deer there than I did. Did shoot a couple of does, which was good. And then the hunt in PA to shoot my buck was kind of a magical one. Uh, but then again, you know, not shooting a deer that was on my sort of marginal list and then hearing that the target buck I was after got shot uh, in gun season. Um, you know, when I have to look at that all big picture and kind of ball it all together, I, I kind of give it a C as sort of average. Um, but it's always an A whenever, like you said, you get out there, you're healthy and you can pursue. So don't look at my rating as if, oh, this guy shot a 19 inch wide, you know, nice buck and he's complaining. He shot four deer this year. He's complaining. I'm not complaining. I just think the whole of it, um, life changes in my own right. You know, you had big life changes this year. I had big life changes this year. Um, I just, I would give it a C again. It's not over, but, uh, could it could have been better, could have been a lot worse, but I am not, I don't want people to take that as if I'm not grateful for the opportunity, because as you said, we're not getting younger. We have this little window where we physically can still do it. And mentally, we feel like we're still kind of sharp, but that won't last forever. Looking into 2023, uh, I'll go first this time, Mike, and then I'll, I'll let you chime in. Um, I'm going to say something that you said, and that is I'm going to look to learn more of this public land a lot better that I have right near me. I took a little walk uh, just a couple weeks ago and ran into a nice buck and found some areas that I don't think anybody's really getting to. And so I'm going to learn that area a little bit more so I have some more options. So that's exciting. Um, I also expect that some good deer are going to make it through this gun season. I just got a trail camera picture of one last night that is every bit as good as the one that I was after that got shot. And so uh, there are always there are always deer when you see deer get shot there are always deer that replace them so i'm always looking forward to that and just further enhancing my land with more habitat work this will be year three now and so i think there's just some more stuff where i can fine tune and make it better and so i'm always looking forward to that there's always something to do so i'm that's what i'm excited about for 2023 how about you mine is very similar i um need to get I need to diversify myself in regards to accessing public land so I can maximize opportunities based on wind, weather, time of year, et cetera. And um, that comes with time. And I will say that the areas that you're talking about, I know very well, and there's a ton of opportunities there. I mean, back before people were shooting big deer in Pennsylvania, I was, I was in big deer and shooting big, you know, decent deer there years ago, like, you know, two decades ago. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for you. And, but for me getting back here is I'm really excited about the fact that I am finally living on my place and the fact that the amount of habitat work that I can get done now, finally, uh, does excite me because, uh, you know, I'm sending you pictures, you know, three and a half year old bucks or potentially older. I don't know how some of them I can't get a good body shot of, but have been showing up during rifle season and they're, literally eating my my food plots out of house and home and i don't know if they're going to make it to late season but um you know i need to put more brows on the ground and i need to actually thicken this place up a little bit make it a little bit more strategically better to hunt and my oldest daughter she's you know working full-time now finally got out of college congratulations to her and um she wants to get back into hunting and i i want to make this place you know something that she'll be excited to, you know, show up to, to be able to, you know, gun hunt in the future for a lot of years. And I want it to be fun. I want us to be able to see deer and, and, and take our time and just enjoy ourselves. So that's my big focus is going to be habitat work this year and um, developing a better understanding of my public hunting opportunities. Yep. Very similar, but uh, exciting as well. So I do want to say as, I've seen like social media and the gun seasons, especially come around around the country, seeing pictures of, you know, friends on Facebook with their kids with deer and, um, you know, people getting their deer, just the smiles and the joy that the sport brings to us also being able to fill the freezer and also participating in the bigger conservation circle. Uh, that's heartwarming stuff. We talk about wanting to shoot older deer. Uh, that's, that's what we do because that's what we get excited about, but that doesn't mean that's for everybody. I mean, I just, I really enjoy seeing, like I said, just people, just the joy that hunting brings to them 
And, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to us what you shoot. It's just that you get out there and you have that opportunity and uh, just participate in what deer hunting brings to us. And so that's been nice to see. So congratulations to everybody out there that has filled a tag, you know, antler deer, non-antler deer, whatever. Uh, if it makes you happy and has filled your freezer, that's what it's all about. And I'm about to go to, uh, actually, by the time folks hear this, I'll be have returned already from the field to fork that we do in Missouri. And I can't wait to see some people will shoot their very first deer on that event. And I'm really excited to be part of that. So looking forward to that. All right, Mike. It's that time of the show again. The time probably that most people will look forward to the most other than us hear us rambling and that is the b team report i don't remember whose turn it is to go first this time mike you or me um why don't you go first all right i'll go first and this one is one, uh, so they're not always going to be current B-team reports. This is going to be a flashback because, I, as I mentioned, I have not hunted since November 15th. I've been on really a, quite a long break since I've been hunting. And so um, looking forward to getting back out there. I'm not much of a gun hunter, but bow season, uh, again, will be an opportunity late bow season. So I'm going to go back to one where I think this was an early sign that I was going to be a forever B-teamer. And I'm going to go all the way back to when I was 13 years old, which was an awful long time ago. Yes, I have a six-year-old now, so uh, this is a long time ago. And so uh, with my mother passing away, my dad and I have, you know, when we talk, you find yourself reflecting on different things. And one of the things we were reflecting on was my uncle Jim, who used to hunt with us, uh, my, my dad or my mother's brother. He, he passed away when he was 46 years old, by the way. And so longevity has not been... Um, a big thing in, in my mother's side of the family. But at any rate, he didn't shoot his first buck until he was 41 years old. And then a couple years after that, I was of age, I could hunt with him. And so this is when I was 13. And this ends up being the second buck that he ever shot and his second and last buck, as it turns out. And so uh, we were, my dad and I were reflecting on this story the other day, and it's a total B team report. So being a young kid, you do stupid stuff. And I was hunting with this open sights, 30, 30 bolt action an old savage. That was my first deer gun. Still have that gun. It's in my gun case right now. And so it holds three in a clip and then you could get one in the barrel. So four and having a lot of shots is, is key when you're, when you're a young hunter. And so for whatever reason, earlier that week, I misplaced my clip. And so now I'm out there with a single shot, 30, 30 bolt action, right? And so we're going to do a deer drive and uh, we're all, we're all getting set up. And I, as we're get, getting set up on the deer drive, I remember this vividly. I had this onesie uh, fluorescent orange outfit. <laughs> and so it's just like zips up the front. It's just one piece. And that was my hunting outfit. And as we're getting set up, I get dropped off to my spot and I'm like, you know what? I really, I need to take a leak. here. <laughs> so now's the time to do it. And so in order to do that in this onesie, you basically have to take this thing down. And so I'm taking it down and, and I step off to relieve myself. And as I'm doing that, I look and here comes this buck running like from my right to left. And so I'm like, I grab my gun. Remember, this is a single shot. Deer's coming right to left and it's kind of doing those bouncing thing. I should have never shot at this deer. This is something you do when you're inexperienced and are stupid and don't know any better. But I get a shot and I miss, of course. Well, I go to get another shell, and remember, I don't have a clip. And so there's no other shell in the barrel, and I realize, oh, wait, the rest of my bullets are in my pocket. Well, I go to reach in my pocket, and where's my onesie, Mike? Down around your ankles? It's down around my ankles. So here I am, literally caught with my pants down, trying to dig around and try to get another <laughs> bullet in that gun. Uh, doesn't happen. <clears throat> As luck would have it, that deer ends up going and running right up past my uncle, which in hindsight, I think that was meant to be. And he ends up shooting his second buck of his hunting career because I was caught with my pants down. Uh, that was definitely a uh, sign of things to come throughout the rest of my hunting career. But I was able to share that moment with him anyway, to be with my uncle when he shot his last ever buck. 
But even at 13, Mike, that should have been a glaring neon sign saying, welcome to the B team. So what do you think of that? <laughs> I like that. I've never heard that story. So I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed you bringing that one forward. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And so when my dad and I were talking, like I said, kind of reminiscing, uh, that's my, that's one of my biggest hunting memories ever. And it turns out to be a B team moment. So don't lose your clip. Don't get caught with your pants around your ankles. You can't make this stuff up. It literally does happen. And it happened to me. If that's happened to you, by the way, uh, share your story. I'd like to know that I was not the only person that's ever happened to. So with that, Mike, I'll clear the stage. And I think you have a more recent report to give. Yeah, mine just came from last week. And and here's the kicker is that I and I called you and, I, and you got to keep thinking about what that third one was. But I had three B team moments in the same day. And I've recalled two of them. And, and we were joking before we started in the fact that they're so commonplace for us now that I've forgotten what the other one was. I actually only remembered the one. And the only reason is because my thumb is still killing me. But um, the other two, I forgot. I, finally, I got one, though. I did remember the second one. So uh, last week, as you've probably heard me mention that I'm you know, working inside the house now because the weather's turned cold. I'm bringing a wood stove in to, to help with the supplemental heating costs of this place. And um, the wood stove, my wife and I bought it four years ago and brought it up here. And I've just, you know not living at this place. I've never had the time to actually get it in. And I just refuse to pay somebody to do a job that I know I can do. So um, I'm actually starting to put this wood stove together. I totally pieced it out so that physically I could, my son and I could lift it and get it in here and um, move it around by myself, you know, just on some furniture movers when no one's around. And so I decided I'm going to put the door back on. So I clean the door up. I get it all prepped, ready to go. I put the hinges on and I start to tighten them down. I have the door closed as I'm mounting the hinges to make sure that it opens correctly. And so I go to open the door and it only opens to 90 degrees, pointing right straight out away from the stove. And I, I know I'm like, this should open the whole way. And so I fiddle with the hinges one more time, loosen them up. They're not even tightened down yet. I try to open the door, still doesn't open the whole way. And this is a cast iron wood stove. And what I've come to realize was the fact that the casting wasn't a clean casting and so you know typical guy i'm like well i'll make that door open and i kind of give it the the old and it probably wasn't much maybe like 12 pounds of force i push on it snap snap one of the hinges off you know cast iron hinge snap it right off completely now the door the door's hanging at a 45 degree angle the stove is useless until i can replace the hinge uh furious with myself but you know, I said, oh, well, I'm going to go. I want to put out a few more traps and trapping, you know, canines on my place. Now I said, I'm just going to go and put a few more traps out. Nothing else I can do inside here. And so on the very first set, I'm putting uh, a trap out and getting it set and everything's going really well. I like how it's looking. And, um, and that, to be honest with you, here's where the problem is. When you're trapping, you have to be focused at all times. I don't know how, but somehow I got my left thumb caught in the trap and this is you know four coil trap so four coil means four springs so it's it's a very mm. strong trap not designed to hurt you know obviously I didn't break my thumb but my thumb is stuck in there now and it's off to the left hand side of the levers or the left lever and so now i can't even get my foot on it to open up the trap <laughs> and so i can depress the right side of the trap but that does not move that left lever enough to get my thumb out. And so I'm sitting there and when you have a lot of pain, cause it's right on the joint line, you know, right back by the palm of my hand, you know, and it's right on that joint. So I can't move that thumb. Um, does it hurt? Yeah. There's some discomfort there. And, you know, you're trying to keep yourself mentally in the game to get your thumb out. So needless to say about three minutes later, I'm finally able to turn my left arm completely around to the point where I can get my boot tip of my boot on the outside lever and have my hand out of the way and then get the trap open get my thumb out i send you a picture you know i had like an immediate bruise uh on my thumb <laughs> right where it was and if everyone recalls one of my b team stories was how i dislocated my right thumb a couple months ago working on the garage so now i have two sore thumbs and to open up jars and bottles <laughs> has become has become a process i mean i'm using my teeth now so my next b team story i'm just calling it right now is going to be like a cracked tooth i can just feel it 
So yeah. those were the two things. And to be honest with you, I apologize, everyone. I can't remember what the third one was of was for that day, uh, but it was just as you know dumb as as the first two. Well, we've all had our own share of uh, home improvement related injuries, and then on top of that, you went out and decided to catch yourself in a trap. So, uh, congratulations to you. At least you still do have your other thumb. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was. And I'll tell you, folks, seeing the picture, he had a good bruise on there, and I'm sure it hurt like a son of a gun. So, uh, well, at least you were able to get out of it, and so I'm sure it won't be the last time. No, it will not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so folks, as, as we move toward the end of the show here today, uh, just a few things in closing. One thing I want to remind you to do is to check out our YouTube page. We just went over 20,000 subscribers, and it continues to grow. Thank you for that. Uh, also, our TikTok account is also growing wildly in popularity. You might say, well, I'll never have a TikTok account. Well, I have one. I, I admit it. And they're actually quite fun. And I even get news and things on there anyway. Uh, it's more than what I ever thought it would be. It's not just people dancing around and that type of thing. Uh, and so they even let me on one the other day, believe it or not. And it was standing next to uh, a CWD uh, head bin where I was sending my buck off for testing. By the way, I just got my results back from that today and it got, came back not detected. So good. that's good. Yeah, absolutely. So that's good to know. But check those out, our Instagram as well. We're putting out a lot of great content that doesn't cost you anything to check out. That's free, but it's not really free. And this is where the second part comes in. And that is, I ask you to please consider the National Deer Association as part of your charitable giving as you get toward the end of the year. And a lot of times that's the time of year people think about those things. We are a nonprofit. And so something has to pay to have all those things done. Also, uh, check out our store. There are things there you can buy for people uh, for the holidays. Uh, maybe gift a membership to somebody is something you can easily do. And if nothing else, speaking of things that don't cost you anything, Sign up for our newsletter. That is of no cost to you if you sign up for that. It comes out every Thursday, always loaded with good things. And if nothing, if all else fails, just take somebody hunting or at least uh, take them for a walk in the woods. Uh, that could be the best gift you could ever give anybody to, to help someone become an experience. The deer woods maybe become a new hunter. Remember, folks, our next show won't hit again in, until January 4th. But at get us your Ask NDA Anything questions, we'd love to have them. And also your B-team stories. If one of our stories has uh, reminded, you, reminded you of something you've done, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to pick on somebody else as opposed to just us. Uh, hey, thank you for helping uh, our show grow during 2022. It's been a big year of growth for us. Appreciate all your compliments. Go ahead and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. That helps our show rise up the ratings we'd appreciate that the doctor and i would like to wish you all a very merry christmas and a happy new year national deer association folks where we are united for deer <laughs>